Hey, friends, before we get into this very special edition of Let's Parent on Purpose, I do want to apologize for the audio uh, quality. Um, I'm interviewing one of my spiritual heroes today and dear friends, Dr. Samuel Thomas from Hope Givers International um, Missionary to India. I just literally grabbed him before church service and we just set up. And so you're going to hear a lot of talking in the background. The audio quality is not going to be great, but the content is fantastic. And if you've never heard about Hope Givers, you're in for a real treat and as you listen, if you're interested in getting involved in this ministry, it's very easy and honestly, I think one of the most effective uses of money I have ever seen in my life for an eternal basis. So stick around at the end of the podcast, and I'll tell you a little bit specifically of not only how you can get involved, but how you can join up with some of us friends and family who are looking to fully sponsor a Hope Home of about 100 children. And with that, let's roll. <laughs> This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's your podcast if you're looking to thrive and not just survive these parenting years. My name's Jay Holland, and I'll be bringing 20-plus years of youth pastoring, foster parenting, parenting, and making a bunch of mistakes along the way as we look to build kids who are building the kingdom of God. All right. Well, good morning. This is a really special treat this morning. I have with me... Uh, one of my spiritual heroes and dear friends, Dr. Samuel Thomas, who is the president and CEO of Hope Givers International. Good morning, Dr. Thomas. Hey, Jay, it's good to be with you on this show. It's very, very nice to have you here today. And I uh, just want to go ahead and jump in and uh, make the most of this time. Would you care to share a little bit about Hope Givers, how it got started, what the ministry is, and what your vision is? First of all, Jay, I want to greet all of the listeners in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Ministry of Hope Givers started in 1960, but technically started in 1959 when my father didn't have the money to take the modular or take a bus ride to go home and come back. So he and his two other friends from the Bible College decided to walk home. That was 500 miles. On 53rd day, they arrived home. I love the way he used to say on Oprah, they tell you if you walk, you lose weight. He said, Sam, we walked 53 days and gained 14 pounds. <laughs> And as a result of the 53-day walk, 12 churches were established. He came back to the Bible College. Of all the people in the world, God chose Dr. Bill Bright to be the commencement speaker for his graduation. And he said, Dr. Thomas, will you be willing to become the national director for Campus Crusade for Christ? My father said, I'm flattered, but I've given my life to the Lord to serve him in northern India, where there's only one Christian for every 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bill Bright provided the train fare so that my mom, dad, and his two friends that walked with him in 1959, they all arrived in the city of Kota on 23rd March 1960. Upon their arrival, they were beaten, put in prison, and uh, while he was in prison, God saved eight people. That's how he started his first local church. And as a result of that, today we have almost 2,800 members, believers in the city of Kota, wow. worshiping Christ in five different locations. And then we also uh, have trained Bible college students and they've gone into the full-time ministry. And one of the things uh, that we like, that God gave us the vision, that 33 million orphan and abandoned children living on the streets of India. We're asking God to give us one million of them. Hmm. See, the ministry of Hope Givers is based out of Psalms 127, verse 4 and 5. 
Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of arrows. All we at Hope Givers do is ask God to help us to gather the arrows. With your help of $35 a month, we can put them in God's quiver, sharpen them with the Word of God, and launch them into the villages where Gospels never been preached before. And that's what Hope Givers does. Our goal is to have one million orphans trained as leaders by the year 2030. Mm. So far, over 37,000 have graduated from the system. Wow. Somebody asked me, what is the percentage of the children that go in the orphanage, go into the ministry? I would say 100% of our children do accept the Lord. Hmm. Now, only eternity will tell how many of them are genuine, but they do confess Christ as the Savior and Lord. We don't force them. They do it on their own. They obey the Lord in baptism. But 97% of, of these children who have obeyed the Lord and uh, obeyed the Lord in baptism, they end up in full-time ministry. Wow. And to me, you cannot get more return for the buck. Hmm. I mean, it's an amazing way God takes the orphans and raises them as missionaries for God. And now, I know some of these numbers might just seem preposterous to people, but I can tell you I've been to India a number of times and visited the ministry of Hope Givers, and I remember... Um, before persecution broke out greatly and you were able to gather all of the graduates at one time together, I remember being a part of graduate services where 5,000 young pastors mm-hmm. um, ha- who had been trained at, at your Bible college in Coda and then at satellite campuses all across India right. would come up. Um, and for graduation, uh, Dr. Thomas, just one of the most amazing things that I would, uh, I've ever seen in my life because they would sit for days for pastors conferences training and teaching and then they would come together for this graduation service and they would all stand up and give this martyr's oath that they would not only be willing to go wherever god calls them for the gospel Mm -hmm. but that they would count it a joy to lay down their life um, for the sake of the gospel Mm -hmm. and then as a graduation present they would be given a bible and a bicycle, and then <laughs> sent out, said again, a one-way train ticket to That's get right. back to wherever they're going, and sent right. out to go. Yep. Um, so, how how did all of that come about? Like, how did the martyrs' oath become part of your training process? Because, because every place we would send the pastors, they would be beaten, they would face persecution. So instead of us saying to them, "Oh, everything is going to be fine," the prosperity gospel, just name it, claim it and everything's going to be fine, God's going to take care of you, and we'll be just raptured in heaven one day. Well, the reality is they will be beaten. Mm. See, one of the things in Hope Givers, what we do, the Bible tells us if a village does not welcome you, shake the dust off your shoes and go on to the other one. Mm. But in Hope Givers, we train our boys, don't shake the dust off your shoes, just change the shoes. (laughs) Try another method, don't Mm. give up. So we tried through the medical nurse, we tried through teaching, we tried to uh, try through uh, having Christian education in schools, mm-hmm. and we tried to do it by having a church, have a community center where we have sewing machines, and uh, those ladies would come and work. So whatever plan works mm-hmm. so that we do not have to give up, we will do our best till the last breath we have. And mm-hmm. once there's nothing is going to work, then we surely shake the dust well, off the shoes. I, I've heard you tell stories before of um, pastors arriving in villages 
and just finding the sickest person in the village That's correct. and committing to praying and fasting mm-hmm. for that person and asking the, uh, go ahead and you tell it better than No, I no, it's true because what happens is like, let's go into a village where it's 5,000 families, 5,000 families. Mm-hmm. That means with men, women, uh, children, it'll go almost 10,000. Mm-hmm. So when he goes there as a preacher of the gospel, nobody welcomes him. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Hope givers, we like to raise $75 a month for the pastor for the first two years of his ministry. Mm-hmm. But we are not able to do it because the number of students are higher that graduate from the Bible right. So we encourage them to find a construction company that builds the roads mm-hmm. or sewer system. So he will go and work there for a dollar a day. Wow. Eventually, the workers that work with him, they are, if one of them are sick or they know somebody in the village that's sick. So he uses that influence to get into those villages. Okay. And then he'll pray. And he'll ask the head office to pray. He'll ask all the orphanages to pray. And God, through his sovereign grace and healing mercy, he will heal that person. And as a result of that healing that nobody thought would be possible, God uses that to draw people to the cross. God uses that that healing to draw people to the salvation of Christ. Wow. Wow. So he's asking a lot of times if he grew up in a hope home, he grew up in an orphanage. He's asking the children that are still back there to, correct, to fast to pray. and pray. Can, can you share, what are some of the backgrounds of these children that you're gathering together in these homes? Some of them come from their brothel babies. Mm-hmm. Mothers were prostitutes, so they had them on some kind of a marijuana or drug. They would put them on, the, on their tongue and just knock them out from the time they're born. Mm-hmm. Like so the kids, most of them will sleep for hours while her mother, their mother goes for a you know, sexual business. Then we have rescued them from sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, in Nepal, in Burma. That is a very common thing. Like a parent would sell the child for $500 or maybe $100. Wow. So we go to those companies that bought them and we will actually say, we'll give them a better future if you allow us to rescue them. Mm. So we have those. And then we have children whose parents have tuberculosis. They cannot work. They are very poor. And uh, some of them work as assistant to the farmers, like, you know, laborers who work, maybe get 75 cents a day. Mm. And they have six kids. They cannot feed them. So before, a long time ago, we used to just take only the orphans. Mm -hmm. Technically, they have to be. Both parents have to be dead, or one mother or father is dead. Okay. But now at Hope Givers, we are losing opportunity of raising an heir for Christ. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be orphans to come to the Hope Givers. Mm-hmm. If they're orphaned, abandoned, and children at risk, we rescue them. Wow. So some of these boys are sold uh, for slavery. Mm-hmm. We have bought those. We bring them into the orphanage. And then the, the best one that I can tell you, Jay, today is we have started an orphanage where we are rescuing children from parents who have agreed to do human sacrifice of their children for the forgiveness of their sin. Wow. And we have an orphanage just started less than 18 months ago, and we have 42 children that have been rescued who have would have been killed by the parents and by shedding their blood according to the priest who does who does voodoo mm-hmm. uh, he thinks that all the forgiveness of sin and the village forgiveness of sin would be done if they sacrificed their children that's horrific right so hope givers is targeted because the evil powers is against us uh, those priests are telling the villages to shut the orphanage down the 
because when they do not sacrifice, the curse of God is going to remain in that village. Mm. But we don't believe in that. We believe in rescue the children, raise them again as heroes for Christ. So that's how some of the backgrounds that we talked about that the children come from in mm. the orphanage. So even with these children who still have a mom or maybe even still have a mom and dad who are destitute, um, you're not just bringing them in and sharing the gospel with them. You're, you're feeding them, you're clothing them, you're educating them, you're getting them a good education um, if, if you can. And they also have 24 hours, seven days a week medical care. Wow. So there's a doctor who is eight hours, they take eight hour shift. They're there. Hmm. And then we have an ambulance if in case there's an emergency. Like Steve Griffith, right. his church bought the ambulance. Huh. So they bought, I think for $25,000, they bought ambulance completely equipped. Mm -hmm. So these orphans, uh, what, what I've seen is even if they end up going back to their families, they're able to change the generations oh, yes. Oh, yes. spiritually and sometimes economically as well, That's because true. they are now the most educated and most equipped That's person like, in the uh, whole family. That's a good one, Jay. I'll give you an example of a name. His name was Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. He changed that name. His name was Shankar before. He came to our orphanages. Both parents were lepers, both alive came to the orphanage he hated Christianity he said the only reason I love you guys or even like being with us is because we were giving him clothes and uh -huh. food and education so after he graduated from high school he fought he did not want to go to Bible college mm -hmm. and we don't force them right so he went back to Delhi then among all the children in the leprechaun he was the only one that spoke English hmm. and today Martin Luther runs one of the fastest growing travel agencies that supplies uh, taxis to the software engineering companies <laughs> and he, he, he manages it. Wow. He has a computer, he has an air-conditioned office and uh, what's his qualification? He's a high school uh, past huh. from the Minister of Hope Givers. Did he go to Bible college? No. But does he go to church? Yes. He's a faithful witness even today. And then there are churches today in his area they survive from his tithing. Mm -hmm. So wow, see, you know, that's one of the things I think we're even seeing in America. I'm I'm a pastor. I live in a neighborhood, and I work hard to have good relationships with my neighbors. But by very nature of being a pastor, there are some people that are just turned off to hearing from me spiritually. Whereas somebody who's working in in a work environment who can live out the light of Christ as they go about Amen. their job um, has chances and opportunities to witness mm -hmm. that I will never have, that a church will never have. And so they get to bring that person to Christ and then bring them into the church. True. And so I just... So your, your orphans, one of the things that I have noticed about them as I've been there, by the time they hit 13, 14, 15 years old, mm -hmm. some of these kids speak five languages fluently True. and are among the sharpest people that I've ever seen in my life. How do you get so much out of a child <laughs> that has nothing going for them when they come to you? They're the lowest of the low. They've, they've been street beggars. They've been... They've been abused. They've been neglected. How do you get so much more out of those kids than what we're getting out of children in the United States that I have think, every advantage in the world? I think Jay, if, when, I, when you're asking that question, the only thing that comes into my mind is the story of Abraham. God asked Abraham to put Isaac on the altar. Hmm. Every child that comes to the Ministry of Hope Givers, we have trained all of our leaders we need to spiritually place all the children at God's altar. Hmm. 
that we have realized at Ministry of Hope Givers that the safest place for the children that come from orphan and abandoned background, we place them in God's altar. And once we do that, God transforms their life. Wow. It's, I mean, it's nothing. There's no credit to any staff, no credit to our curriculum, no credit anywhere. I see the only thing I would say is the sovereign grace of our Lord Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. Well, I tell you, I could go on forever talking to you and hearing stories, but we actually have church coming up in a few <laughs> minutes. So thank you so much for joining Amen. us. And for those who are listening, if they are interested in the ministry of Hope Givers, what should they do next? They can go to hopegivers.org. Okay. And uh, they can talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they should come and visit the orphans. Yeah. But one thing before I say it, uh, conclude today, that most of the people say, oh, I don't need to come. All I need to do is just send you the money and you can take care of the orphan. Well, God's not really interested in your money. Hmm. He's interested in you as an individual. And if you go to James one twenty seven, the pure and undefiled religion is to visit the orphans, huh. not to sponsor the orphans, wow. not to pray for the orphans, but to visit them. Huh. And once you visit them, God has his own ways of providing the needs. He's got two ways agenda. He not only wants the children to be blessed by you, but he wants you to be blessed by the children. And it has changed my life, I can Amen. tell you that. I have never heard that point pulled out of out of James before. That's very good. Well, thank you very much. I ask Amen. you to pray for Dr. Thomas. Um, as, as good of the work as he's doing for the Lord, obviously all ministry is messy and there is heavy persecution. So you can pray for them. Pray for Dr. Samuel Thomas, for his wife Shelley, for the ministry of Hope Givers. And again, go to hopegivers.org if you have any more interest in it or talk to me because basically all of you know me so uh, thank you so much today dr thomas hey thank you so much for listening today to let's parent on purpose and if you are specifically interested in helping us fully fund a hope home in india that has about a hundred children in it really it comes down to about two dollars a day to take care of these kids, uh, please contact me, jay at covenantfellowship.com, um, or you can go on letsparentonpurpose.com at, at today's blog post and uh, find a link to find out more about our Operation Full Quiver. This is Let's Parent on Purpose, a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. Check us out at covenantfellowship.com. And don't forget, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We'll talk to you soon.